Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. One, two, one, two. All right. Check, 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 check. Yes, yes, yes. This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. The 400th episode of Fire. Me and G Moody. Last name rhymes with duty. Are in the place to be. Moody, how you feeling? 400 episodes of Fire. Oh, man. I feel good. 400 came so quick. That's because we're the best, and we must say it. It's the 400th episode. Hell yeah. Okay? Yo, it wouldn't be right if we didn't have a shit talker with us. Later on in the episode, Matt Barnes part du. Mm. That's French for two. <laughs> Remember the first Matt Barnes episode? Well, he's back uh, talking all sorts of shit. Yeah. Uh, he, he needs no introduction. Yeah. Uh, he came, he saw, he conquered. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast 400th episode. Miles Jordan, let me get something real nice, something real funky, yeah, something special for the people on this special 400th episode. Yeah. All right, so here we are. 
That's that, that's a G Moody beat. Yeah. Um, four hundred episodes, man. Four hundred. It's a lot, man. But it does. You know, it just keeps going. It's so quick because it's so fun, and it's been uh, such a, a great ride. And we continue to knock it out the park, and that's what's going to happen. Everybody, get the fuck out of the way. Get the fuck out of the way. Get the fuck out of the way. I want to give a shout out to everybody who gave me a uh, birthday love on social media. The people who I know, the people who I don't know, uh, the, the fans. I, I saw all of them. I tried to respond to all of them. It was a little overwhelming. I got a lot of shout outs from from guests. My man Charles Oakley, Word. Eli Lake, Morris, the Rapper Pack, all you guys, Aaron. Vermont, everybody. Yo, you, listen, we're truly not fact checking, so I can't look at the uh, uh, the computer to tell you all the shout outs. But I, I pretty much got tons and tons and tons of. Uh, I heard from everybody. Uh, I'm 48 years old, uh, uh, and now we're moving on. Um, Monetti, yo, uh, you're in New York City. Yeah, it's a blizzard. <laughs> is it? Is it a blizzard? I, I, I want to give it the G Monetti weather report. Oh yeah, it's uh. Uh, snowing sideways right now, and uh, it's it's getting bad. And uh, it, I think this is the last snowstorm of the fucking year, so we got to put up with it. It's going to be 16 inches. That's what they said. It's looking that way, and uh, my sidewalk is all, already uh, salted up. Is are you bunkered down? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm good, man. Everything is good. Shit, I got all the food. Got all my shit. I'm good. Watching games, cooling out. You know, it's funny because when I was a kid in New York, when we were kids in New York, it would snow and, and there was no like, maybe, you know, you knew a storm was coming, you'd hear about it, but it was no like bunkering down. Yeah. Now, I guess because of what happened a couple of years ago um, when the city shut down, when they didn't prepare, I guess they take it a little bit more seriously in New York City. But uh, New York City was 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 built for snow, obviously, uh you know, when we had the floods. And I guess you got to take it more seriously. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about uh, former actress, uh, Sex in the City star, openly gay woman, redhead. Give a shout out to all the redheads. Although I don't consider myself a redhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia Nixon is going to uh, make a run to become governor. Uh, where's your head oh, on that? Because you're in the streets of New yeah. York. Uh, the people are talking... What, what do you got for me on that? I, I think uh, people are, are galvanized because Trump won the presidency, uh, right? So now she feels like if this motherfucker can win, um, I should throw my hat in the, in the ring. But what, ju- uh, what justifies her thinking she could run the Empire State, the great state of mm. New York? What justifies you thinking you could do it? Um, well, I, if you're coming in... Um, and you're like a uh, a non-traditional candidate like her, like Trump. I said this once, and, I, and I'll say this again. You need to be able to come in and talk crazy shit. Yeah. Like, I mean crazy shit, like the same way Trump did. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to do a, a spend the 400th episode uh, uh, going down the political road. But in, in order for anybody to beat Donald Trump as president again, somebody needs to come in there and talk wild, crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, sincerely, like, when they go low, you need to go lower. Yeah. Like, you need to be ready to go up there and, like, talk about his mom, talk about his fucking wig. Like, I'm serious. Like, you need, like, when they're having, like, the uh, debates, 
Yo, Duke, yo, your wig is crooked. Yeah. You got you to swing. Like at yeah. the debate. Yeah. Like you got to do like shit like that to throw him off his game. Uh, because if you're not going to talk about his wig, talk about his wife, talk about uh, Stormy Daniels and all them, you're not going to yeah. win. Like you have to fight fire with fire. This like, oh, I'm rising above it. Even Michelle Obama, I don't know if she would beat him if she didn't get down oh, and dirty. Yeah, she, like, yeah. You, you, yeah. I mean, she may just because she's so fucking popular and so classy but aside from aside from michelle obama like joe biden if he runs he's got to be like yo turn the mics off yo let's step outside yeah. and shoot five <laughs> minutes like shoot a fair one that's the only way to do it yeah unfortunately you got to be have that charisma like like trump but i don't see anybody on the horizon with that and uh cynthia nixon you ain't beating uh the cuomo family i can tell you that now <laughs> speaking of dick Stain, donald trump this dude is wild man uh, what happened? So Putin, Putin won uh, the election in Russia. Like he's been, he's never going to not win. Like he's going to continue winning until he stops. Like he won by a landslide. Mm-hmm. Like he shut it down. And I listened to this very interesting podcast on the Daily last night, sort of uh, informing, uh, 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 you know, where Putin came from and his rise. And he's a wild cowboy. Like like that vibe that you get from him, that's mm-hmm. real. Like he's bout it, bout it. Like he was in the KGB. Like he he's like that dude, yeah. um, but he won, and Dick Stain Donald Trump gave a public congratulations to Putin. <laughs> That's his man. That's his friend. He gave a fucking shout out. There hasn't been a shout out that was heard around the world since Biggie said Brooklyn, we did yeah. it at the Source Awards. Uh-huh. This motherfucker was giving shout outs to Putin, like he's at like the Source Awards. <laughs> That's his man. And, you know, they they know what, what happened. Maybe, you know, Putin got him elected. Only they know what really went down. So, of course, you're going to shout your man out. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, it, it's not weird to some. But, yo, the thing about this dude is that that's wild. He really doesn't give a fuck. And as much as I can't stand him, I respect. I told you. I have to say how much I respect the fact, like, he doesn't give a fuck. Yo. And when we consider ourselves the best podcasters, we do not fact check. We've been saying that before this motherfucker discussed running for president. Yeah. yeah. The fact that he's the president, fact check. I mean, he fucking chews facts up, snorts them down his big fucking orange nose, shits them out, vomits them out. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. You got to admire, I said this before, you have to admire that, that personality where I don't care what anyone says, I'm going to be me and I don't give a fuck and this is how it is. So people get in line, you know what I'm saying? Like Donald Trump is Donald Trump. That's his personality. That's how he gets down. And if you don't like it, he's not changing. So you got to admire, this. that's who he is. There's no fake shit with this dude. So there is no fake shit. That doesn't mean there's not lying, but you're right. There is no fake yeah. shit. And and as much as I can't stand this motherfucker, I respect like you know like if you're talking about somebody like we, we you know we talk about athletes like Kobe Bryant, you respect how hard he played. Right. Uh you respect his his commitment to the craft. You respect Daniel Day-Lewis, the motherfucker stays in character. Talk about a character actor. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a method actor. This motherfucker is like, Donald Trump is probably the greatest method actor of all time. Um, <laughs> I talked about it the other day. Obviously, um, we don't want any, any, any athlete 
as much as I can't stand and as much as we've liked to break balls of Ty Lu, you know, I wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. And and he knows better than anyone at this point uh, if he should come back and coach the NBA or not. Uh, I wanted to hear your uh, take on uh, Ty Lue and where he's I at. A, I have a quick take. It's so brief. LeBron is okay. LeBron is no, no rush, no rush. <laughs> LeBron is at it again. First, Blatt he did the sucking shit to David Blatt. So now, mysteriously, Ty Lue comes up uh, sick. I say LeBron had him poisoned. <laughs> it's not fucking unreasonable <laughs> that this guy would have Yo. him poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> right, not to kill him, but just to slip. Yo, yo, Duke, yo, like, we don't need you, yeah. Duke. Like, we letting you know, like, yo, we could win this shit without you. Exactly. Uh, We're we going to sit you down for a couple of weeks. They hit him with that. Exactly. That Marsha Brady shit. He just, he just was barking on him in public in front of everybody. And, and it, the next day, he has fucking issues. He has stomach problems. His fucking heart was a uh, palpitation. LeBron put something in the Gatorade. <laughs> yo, that's fucking funny. Um... Staying in the basketball, we've talked about this, and, and I gotta say, it's gotta stop. And, and I'm gonna give a preview of some upcoming episodes. Uh, we got Meta World Peace, oh, the artist formerly known as Ron Artest, QB, coming up on an I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. Queens is in the house. Queens Bridge. We have Mr. Big Shot, former MVP of the NBA Finals, my man Chauncey Billups coming up on an I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. It's our time of year. Like, we we work all year to get to the NBA playoffs, to cover it diligently and passionately. So we opening up the motherfucking Rolodex and get everybody and anybody to talk hoops with us. So we got Meta and we got uh, Chauncey Billups, to name a few, coming up. Um, Ray Allen. Jesus Shuttlesworth wrote a book. One of the one of the greatest two guards in the history of the NBA. The Real Housewives of Boston bullshit continues. Yeah. So Ray Allen is releasing a book. Nobody knows what's in the book. You know, Ray Allen like is it was a diligent athlete. Um, you know, he's very disciplined. Uh, obviously, he had a storied career. Was in the Spike Lee movie. He got game. He is Jesus Shuttlesworth. He's got a whole life. If he wants to write a book, he can write a book. I have no problems with Ray Allen. The Boston Celtics need to cut the sucker shit. A-S-A-P. You sound ridiculous. Yo, he played there. You guys want a ring? Okay, he left. Blah, 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 blah. But we're talking now 10, 12 years ago. Rajon Rondo. Yo, Shoot five minutes with this dude. You you got a problem with Ray Allen? Forget all the talking. Yo, step to Ray Allen. <laughs> I, <laughs> he, he Ray Allen's releasing a book, and Rajon Rondo's you know still talking shit about Ray Allen. Yeah. I, I believe Ray in this uh in this whole saga. Ray has always had the high road, and I think the book he wanted to set it straight on really what happened because Paul Pierce mentioned some excerpts from the book, and yo. Rondo doesn't have the greatest fucking reputation around the league as far as a team guy. Like, you know, he's a, he's a different kind of bird. So, yo, Ray Allen left. Yo, what you want to do? Like, it's over, man. He won a championship. So, obviously, the move was right because he won again. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what, like, why you guys are still talking about Like, because at a certain point, you, you, it starts to look like everybody looks crazy. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, but Ray Allen's the only one who's not saying anything. Like, I, I don't know what... Like, yo, it's over, man. You sound fucking dumb. Rajon Rondo, like, you're like one of the most talented point guards. Like, he's unfulfilled talent. Yes, he won the championship with the Celtics. But as far as, like, you know, taking advantage of all his talent throughout his career... Like, this dude was almost out of the league. He was in Sacramento last season. Yeah. Yep. And and he wasn't in Sacramento uh, uh, by choice. He was in Sacramento because he was like one of those dudes like, yo, if you don't get it together in Sacramento, the party's over. Yeah. And he's so good uh, when he wants to be uh, that, of course, he could play in the NBA for as long as he wants. But, like, it's not like he's one of these dudes who's taken advantage of his talent and who's who's dedicated to the craft. But you're dedicated to fucking with Ray Allen. Hold your head, Rajon Rondo. Or Zay Jones, Buffalo Bills, oh. young gun, second round pick last year, speedster, mm-hmm. had a couple of good games last year, um, you know, didn't really live up to, to, to all the hype. It's his first season in the league. I think he's on that ooh Gotta be. Uh, uh, Zay Jones of the Buffalo Bills was arrested at 445 in the morning the other night in Los Angeles in a hotel mm. Fighting a dude, butt ass naked. No. Nothing good happens in the hallway of a hotel room, butt ass naked. And really, nothing good happens in the hallway of a hotel room, butt ass naked when sun is down. <laughs> like when the cops come to see you and they arrest you, butt ass naked, you obviously are not in, in your right oh. mind. Why is he fighting a dude at 4 a.m. naked in the hallway? Why? Why? It has to be substances. It's not like you had some fucking NyQuil. This is, this is hard shit. <laughs> this guy's bath salts, all kind of uh, uh, pills, all kind of shit. Why? His brother, Caleb Jones, who plays for the Vikings, uh, was trying to restrain him. They, you know, there was broken glass everywhere. People pissing in the corner like they just don't mm. care. Shout out to uh, Melly, <laughs> Melly Mel, Grandmaster, uh, Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five. Uh-huh. That was just a quote. I just got carried away with that. Zay Jones, yo, and he was talking about he's gonna fight for Jesus, no. and it was a lot of Jesus talk, no. and I have no problem with that. Uh, if you're clothed. If you're in a hallway at 4:45, butt ass naked of a hotel room, and you're talking uh, uh, that Jesus talk, you're probably on that Jesus juice, yeah. and possibly those gray skies. Everybody talked the, but Jesus wouldn't want you in the hallway naked like that. They they talked the Jesus shit, but how would Jesus act? You think he'd be in the hallway naked, offending all the other fucking hotel people? <laughs> Imagine you're in your, your hotel and you hear some ruckus at four in the morning. You come outside, is a, a wide receiver, butt ass naked, fighting it, breaking shit, fight, screaming, talking about Jesus. You're gonna be scared shitless. Hey, suspension. See, this is Roger Goodell. If I'm the commissioner, immediate suspension. Afterwards, we suspend you immediately. And if the facts bear out something different, you will be reinstated. But once we hear wild shit like that, yo, oh, t- oh about five games, B. <laughs> Suspend first, ask questions Absolutely. later. Absolutely, Yo, this dude, Rory uh, McElroy, this golf dude. Yeah. Now, I, we don't play golf. <laughs> uh, shout out to my grandmother. I went through a little phase when I was about 11, 10 or 11. You know, I used to go play golf with my, my grandma, uh, Evelyn. Uh-huh. I thought I was nice. I wasn't nice. Um, 
this dude, uh, Rory McIlroy, he, he's like one of the best dudes. I don't know if, if, if the listeners, I'm sure some of you guys listen to uh, follow golf. Yo, this dude's complaining because people are heckling. People are talking shit. The fans are talking shit. Yo, if you spend the amount of money to go see one of these high-level golf dudes play, and you're standing out there in the sun, most of the time they don't give you seats. Mm. And motherfuckers uh, uh, is out there swinging the clubs and all that. And you out there drinking your little your little drink and all that shit. You should be able to do and say whatever the fuck you want. This is professional sports. If you're so nice, Rory McIlroy, yeah. why are you complaining? Uh, somebody actually screamed Baba Booey this week at the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational in Orlando. He's complaining. You can't tell these people not to say anything. Yeah. Oh, that, they should ramp it up even more now. Now that you, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, now that you hear this guy's like a little baby, call him all kind of shit. Get him off his game. He could be moved off his game. He's a, he's a chump. <laughs> all Buttersoft, I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, including the Sucker Shit Part 2. Sucker Shit Version 2 t-shirt is out. Districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rapport. What more can I say? Okay. Listen, the last time we had Matty Barnes on... We made history, okay? That's a fact. That's a fact. We actually made history, and we made the fucking news. We made the mainstream news. All right, so without further ado, all right, let's get into it with my man, shit-talking extraordinaire, good dude, funny dude, smart dude, Matt Barnes is now rocking on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, a part due. Let's go. Test, 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 one, two, one, two, one, two. Test, test, test. Matt Barnes, we're rocking, we're rolling. This is it. We made a classic the first time. Man, did we? We made an instant I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast classic. And I think I said to you the first time we were podcasting, because I was so amped up, I said, while we were doing it, I put you on the spot. I said, can you please make a promise that you'll come back on the fucking podcast? Lo and behold, here we are. For Maddie Bourne's part two. Yeah, man. All I got is my word. That's all I got, Mike, and I gave it to you. So I kind of feel like this is like when NWA was about to reunite. You know I mean that, yeah. that's what kind of shit we're on today. Fuck yeah. This is the this is the reuniting right. of motherfucking NWA. <laughs> I like that shit. Hell yeah, that's what we're on right now. All right, let me ask you this. It's March. Sometimes I refer to it as March sadness. Right. You were a high school player. Mm-hmm. You were a college player. You played in the pros. You're outspoken. How, how is this going to end, Matt? The, the question is, will we be alive when college basketball players get paid? How is this going to resolve itself? You got guys like Jalen Rose talking about boycott. They need to. Uh, I don't know about boycotting because this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for some of these kids making the tournament and everything. Um, and we're looking at the bigger picture, but the kids are looking at it as, as, you know, this is my one time in the tournament. <clears throat> they need to pay them. Obviously, I think I posted some on Instagram the other day about the revenue that these um, television companies are paying the NCAA almost a billion dollars, you know, for the for the rights to the tournament. Yeah, I have it on my Instagram. We, uh, people could look at it. But they need to. Uh, they need to decide something and just to be creative with it. I think the NCAA gets away with it because it's a nonprofit. So that's what they hide behind. You know what I mean? That's why they don't have to give people. And then they look at it as we gave you a scholarship. So that should be good enough. But it's not. 
they need to be have some some creative way to to pay these kids. Maybe not why they're in school, but maybe have something waiting for them. Maybe give them because the raw facts are ninety nine percent of student athletes don't go pro. So you're starting over. You've been programmed to do this sport your whole life, and then you're an adult now with nothing going and, and nothing, you know, laid out for you. So I think something like maybe give them maybe two hundred fifty thousand dollars towards a business they want to start when they when when they're when they're done with school. Eat, but but how would you do that? Like. You're you're one of the you're a star. You were a star at UCLA. You're one of the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, last year UCLA, Lonzo Ball. How are you going to give him two hundred and fifty when it, Joe fucking Scrub, who's just happy to be playing basketball for the last time of his life, you know, number ten, tenth, eleventh, twelfth guy on the bench or walk on fucko? How do you give him as much to, as you? I think you have to be creative from the standpoint of you know maybe based off your years, maybe based off the the division or or, or conference you play in. I think there should be some kind of rating system because like anything, it's driven by you know the star college kids. You know, so I wasn't a star on Lonzo's level or some of these guys' levels, but I was known and I did my thing and I played for four years. So I think it should be based on how many years you go to school. Okay. Possibly you know the the, the conference you play in, the the level you play at. And then, but at the same time, it, it takes a team to win, you know, so it, it's, it's Lonzo and then it's, you know, the 12th guy on the bench that makes Lonzo better in practice. So he should not be penalized because he just wasn't fortunate enough to be as good as Lonzo. Because he's there every right. day. He's doing- still putting in the work and he still sacrifices as much as all of us have. He just, you know, God, you know, put a ceiling on him, you know, so I think it should be a situation where give these kids a couple hundred thousand dollars to start whatever business they want when they're done. Because they've, when you're a student athlete, you're, you're a student first you're an athlete, and then you, you socialize. You know what I mean? So it's just like there's no time for work. I remember personally, I got $20 a month from my dad's butcher's debit card. Like that's the only outside help I had. You know what I mean? So Are I just you like, serious? I didn't have shit. Broke with the, broke with the joke in college. You know what I mean? Luckily, some Damn. things that happened where I was able to, you know, maneuver and eat and move around the way I did at some point. But at the beginning, it was tough. You know what I mean? So if if I didn't make the pros, I wouldn't have had nothing. I would I don't know what I would have been doing. So do you think this is going to get resolved? Some I mean, it just seems like it's such a like you need business masterminds. You need like right. sort of like ten business experts or five right. like to, sort of like a think tank to come up with something. What, right. Like what, what what would you realistically have wanted? Now things have changed since you played. But like, you know, just based on what you know now, like what would you going back to when you were in college, you're saying you had twenty dollars on a fucking debit card. Mm-hmm. What would you have wanted? Just something that we can move around. You gotta understand, like, we understand that the scholarship is a blessing and we thank I went to UCLA. Tremendous school, had a blast, best time of my life. But at the same time, like we as a unit, you know, whether it be football or basketball, we're bringing the school millions upon billions of dollars in revenue. You know what I mean? So the $50,000 scholarship is a blessing. Thank you, because and otherwise we wouldn't have been able to go there. But at the same time, there needs to be a balance there. And it's going to take a bunch of people that are thinking outside the box. And I think it needs people up my age. You right. Know, people that are just kind of just getting finished and have a good grasp on it. Then these older people that never played college basketball, doesn't know what it's like to be on a scholarship, doesn't know what it's like not to have nothing in the bank. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It needs to be people that came from that to understand working with them. To come to a common ground. But I think I kind of look at it like marijuana. Like marijuana was so looked upon and frowned upon, but it finally was discussed. 
And now it's starting to become legal. You know what I mean? So now that I think the fact that like the NCAA is under a lot of heat right now because they're starting to reveal how much money they're making. You know what I mean? So now that it's talked about, I, I think in, in a matter of time, you know, hopefully three to five years, something will be figured out. Something will give. Something. What is your relationship with uh, uh, UCLA now? Like, are you a guy that they'll call and say, yo, we got this kid and he's in blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we, we, you know. It's can, funny. How does that work? Funny you say that. I'm I'm with a group called um, Bruin Legends. It, it's myself. We, we started this. Myself, Baron Davis, Earl Watson, Jelani McCoy, Chris Johnson, Toby Bailey, Ryan Bailey, Trevor Ariza, Ray Young, Josiah Johnson, Ryan Hollins, Jason Flowers. I'm, I'm, I'm might be maybe about 15 of us, and we're in serious talks because there's a huge disconnect with us. We're UCLA, and for some reason, I talk to Duke guys, Carolina guys, other schools. Like when these colleges want these kids recruited, they, they lean on those guys to go help recruit. They don't lean on us for shit. And we're, we still have a, you know, we still know these kids. Like we have a, these kids know us. Like why not use the best? We had, you say that at any given time, had 15, 20 guys in the NBA. Like why not use us to help recruit these kids? And that's because that's what the other big schools are doing. But there's a huge disconnect there. And that's something that, that concerns us. Uh, like I said, we started a group called Bruin Legends and we're trying to bridge that gap and uh, find a common ground. Well, why do you think that is? I'm surprised that, that you're saying that because <sighs> I, I would know. think they would go to like yeah. somebody like you right. during your whole career. Come on, man. All the teams I played on, all the people I know, Baron Davis, same thing, Earl Watson, they don't, same So they thing. don't go, yo, Matt, we want no. fucking John Doe. Nothing. Really? Right, you would think you think it's a no. I mean, I think right? it would be like you've been doing it for years. Like you might have yeah. been at the end of right. it. Like, oh, we don't want this old fucking nah, guy. Hell no, I mean, it would be an honor to do something like like UCLA was an amazing experience, but they're just out of touch. They're, you know, they're they've been a prestigious university for so Kevin many Love, years. All you guys. Yeah, Russell Westbrook. I mean, come on, man. Like it's on the table. You know what I mean? It's on the table, and it's there's no reason why we shouldn't be getting these big time recruits. It's UCLA, it's LA, it's UCLA. Beautiful women, weather. I mean, stars are at your games. Like. We may need a new coach over there. We, we, we may need to get Earl Watson in, in the head coaching seat over there. But, I mean, amazing program. And, and, like, why would you not want to? And it's because they're, they're out of touch with the, the common kid today. When you were in college, how nuts was it? Like, you know, like, you, you know, the, the stories, you know, the myths of being a college athlete, UCLA, you said it. I mean, it's, I couldn't imagine being a scholarship basketball. I dreamed of that. Honestly, when I was a kid in New York, I, I was so far from, from it even happening. But, like, when you're 19, 18, 18 and you're man. at fucking UCLA. And my, my freshman year was unique because my freshman year was 1998, so it was the NBA lockout. So we have the number one recruiting class in the country. We got Baron Davis coming back, Earl Watson coming back, and then it's a lockout. So we have fucking Shaq and Kobe walking into our games and just the whole poly pavilion will shut down and everyone will go crazy because we got these superstars. Like, at, like we're the only show in town now. You know what I mean? That was the knock going to UCLA. The one bad thing I could say is it wasn't a college town. It's L.A. You know, so there's so much shit going on. Like, we don't have that Durham or that Chapel Hill feel. Like, we have that L.A. feel. So we're I'm, we're in Hollywood clubs at 18 partying type things. Like, it's not like the local bar, even though we did that well, too. But it was just a, such a big experience. So my freshman year, we got Shaq coming to the game, Kobe coming to the game. Paul Pierce coming to our games. Like, it's like we're the only, like, so we're, I'm just like, God damn, this is what L.A. is like? Like, I'm in love. And what about the the summers at UCLA? Uh, do you remember? I mean, you might still play them if you, if you mm -hmm. ball, but like these are like infamous games. When I was a kid, I'd visit my sister 
I saw Magic, oh, yeah. Mark Aguirre, Isaiah. Oh, legendary games. So when legendary you, when, games. What, what Man, did you, was, who were you playing against in the summer? Everybody. Um, shit, Jordan came up there, Kobe, um, Shaq. While you were in college. Like, you name it, they came up there and played. And you played with They've them. Been, I didn't get to play against Jordan. I just heard about the Jordan. But I played with Shaq. I played with Kobe. Who else used to come? I mean, you name a Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce, like this. So this is 98. This is when they're popping. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the UCLA summer runs were the reason why our team went to the pros. Reggie Miller. Reggie. I mean, if you any if you're anybody was there, everybody was there. And we ran as a unit, too. So we're running as UCLA Bruins against these guys and beating these guys. You know what I mean? So we got hard knocked early on. And that's how we really learned what it's going to take to be at that next level. You know I mean, the college was competition and we were up and down as UCLA as a team. But for, for some reason, those summertime runs when it was just... Fuck it, I'm guarding Kobe. This is when it, that's when we that's when it started for me. You know what I mean? I'm in high school. I'm excuse me. I'm in college, playing against these big time pros, and I knew like, okay, shit, my offense isn't what theirs is, but I can motherfucking guard these dudes. So that's what I'm gonna have to lock into. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, do you, I, I think I asked you this last time, and I'm gonna ask you again because of the way you played and just the way you're able to articulate yourself. And it's such a it's such a dichotomy between your quote unquote image. Do you have any interest in coaching? Uh, my kids. I want to coach my kids. You know what I mean. I don't. I don't. I want to. I don't really. You know, the bas- NBA was a blast for 15 years. But I'm just. I'm, I was blessed to be able to play it. I wasn't even supposed to play it to begin with. And I got 15 years. I kind of want to remove myself from that. I want to coach my kids. I want them to grow. I want them to be happy. Uh, the one thing I do want to do. I would like to get back into the NBA and talk to these kids about utilizing their brand and, and realizing how much weight you have off the court as well, because we don't leverage that as like we should. And me being a journeyman that played on several teams, I'm leveraging the fuck out of it on the business side and, and going to make a killing in my post life. Like when you were uh, 21, 22. And I wasn't you fight- thinking about that though. You're no, not thinking about I'm it. I'm not thinking. Like, and no you know, one's talking to you about it. No, they're talking to us about it, but it's going in one year out the other. You know, because what I mean? you're young, right? Because you're young, and then you have money for the first time, so you're really not trying to hear nobody. So I, I kind of say, like, when you come in, so I, I give the the gaps like 19 to 25, 26 aren't really paying attention. 27 to 30 is when you start listening. And 30, 19 to 26, you're probably as yeah. dumb as you're ever. Like I not think I was necessarily. Pro- I'm, I wouldn't say because we already also have a lot of responsibility. So some of some of us are dumb. Some of us are young. Some of us. Are I was young. a bag of bricks at right. 24. But I think we have to have more responsibility because we realize we're representing our team. We're representing the NBA. We have a lot of money. We have a lot of responsibility. So I wouldn't say dumb. I would just say young. Right. You know what I mean? So 19 to 26 is it's in one ear out the other. 27 to 30, you're listening. If you get into your 30s, that's when you're taking notes at these meetings and understanding that, okay, life after basketball is on its way. And, and I went through all those stages. That's why I know. And I've seen it and I've done it. So I think you, they need to have people that are like more, more like me and younger that can resonate with these kids and get their attention than having these old-ass dudes that they have talk. Excuse me, just being real. These old people talking that these kids cannot relate to and they gotcha. don't want to hear talk. You know what I mean? They want to hear someone that played and been through the wars talk. They don't want to hear someone that's looking in on something, trying to make an assessment. I got you. Someone who could sort of get their attention. We have, you have to be able to resonate with them. You have to know where they came from. You have to know what it's like. If you didn't make the NBA, you'd probably be a drug dealer or in trouble or in jail or dead type people. You know what I mean? And my situation wasn't that dire, but I was around it, and it could have right. been. You know what I mean? Like, if people know my story, how my, you know, my dad was a drug dealer, and that's the life I grew up in, so hey, it could have went that way. But that's where a lot of these kids come from. So they need someone talking to them. They came from the same shit. Right. Um, your friend, your rival, turned out to be a friend and, and partner in crime with the Lakers, Kobe Bryant. 
Only fucking Kobe Bryant yeah. would say, I'm going to retire, make movies, Dope. and then one time, the first time out of the box, Oscar. I love it. I think it's amazing. Um, you know, he was someone that, oh, his thing was, you know, I want to be able to sit at the, tor- the table with MJ. Six rings, meaning, you know what I mean? I want to be able to sit at that table. And that was his whole fight, his whole goal to get to six, and he didn't do it. But, uh, you know, when the, when the Oscar stuff started coming up, I start texting them. We're texting back and forth, you know, wishing them good luck the night before. And then when he won it, I said, you know, bro, you're at a table of your own. You got five rings and an Oscar now. So he's, at, he's not at, Mike can't even sit at his table now. You know what I mean? So that's dope to think that this man went from off the court to making an Oscar piece. And, uh, you know, I just, I mean, he's, he, he's made for greatness. You know what I mean? Like once he opened up and showed the world the dope dude we seen in the locker room, I knew he was going to fuck the game up. Yeah, I mean, it, it just like, he's the fucking guy that would be like, I'm going to dedicate, because I was like, okay, you're going to make movies. He can do anything, man. He's intelligent, you know, well-versed, several languages, very smart. He's Kobe. He's got a smile. He played for the Lakers. He did his thing. He's a legend. Like, the, the he can do whatever the fuck he wants. So you're, you know, I've talked to you about your passion for making movies, for, for getting involved. Uh, what do you want to do uh, uh, ideally in regards to entertainment, making movies. I want to be behind the scenes and make amazing, true, real shit. Um, that's my goal is making real stuff. I mean, I got introduced to TV from the bullshit reality uh, basketball wise stuff. At the, as bad as it was, but it gave me a behind the scenes chance to kind of see like, yo, if, if they have some real people trying to get some positive shit back here, it can, it's an amazing platform. So is that ever, what sport spurred it? Yeah, that, that's how what really made me want to start thinking about like I want to make TV because I want to make positive stuff, like you know, encouraging stuff, like real shit instead of this stereotypical shit that the world falls in love with. It's scripted, right? As fuck, they think it's unscripted. But anyway, so that's where it started. I've been working on it for a long time, man. I probably say seven or eight years. And oh shit, yeah, and just in general, and things are finally starting to come to an head. That's why I was so you know, along with movies. That's why I was okay with retiring after last year because all this stuff that is is, is booming now it's been you know five four years some things five years seven years some things like everything hit now uh, so i was lucky from that standpoint but you know the, the problem uh, we got the green the huey newton biopic green lit so that's going down we're, we're rolling man and thanks to you for hooking me up with your guy oh, wood harris on, man. I, that's you man. man you hooked me up with wood harris we're, we're gonna do the wood harris matt barnes michael rapport because yeah. that motherfucker he's all he's low dope, key man he he's, talks a lot of man, shit he's dope i tell him too. to his face a good human we sat down and chopped it up and fellowshipped and had a great time you know he's gonna play eldridge cleaver for us he's doing it yeah he's in he's gonna be also a producer um since then he's brought me a couple other projects we're jumping on been a blessing um so we're doing the huey newton pick uh we're casting now talking to directors we have an amazing cast assembled so far, so it's been it's been pretty special. Um, and then I was fortunate enough, um, you know, my best friend Polly, she's Suge Knight's niece, so she was able to get us the life rights from Suge. So we're doing a death row series, like Norco style, um, with one of the producers from Stars, Mark Cannon. Yo. Only it's gonna be mob shit. Only you. It's basically that's what it is, right? But real, you know what I mean. And my whole thing is like being a fan of Death Row from the outside. I grew up on Pac, Snoop, Dre, all this big, even West Coast or East Coast shit. But I've always been a fan. I'm just like that's the story that has to be told. Like Suge has never spoke. It's everyone else has told their story, but Suge was 
De- death is row. he aware of this yeah she did he saw yeah, yeah. so it's uh it, it's it, the, the paperwork's been taken care of um but our whole thing too is we want to make as authentic as possible so we want to knock all these beefs down whoever had beef whoever didn't like who we need to bring everybody together to make this as authentic as possible do you think that's fucking possible man you I, we, know these we, fucking we, dudes we have we we have we have my best friend is the wild card so she is you know well versed in those areas and knows a lot of people so like that my whole goal is to sit everyone down and just get massive stories about one of the biggest record labels of all time. Like we need Snoop's input. We need Dre's input. You know, Jimmy Iovine is someone that was instrumental around that time. You know, Daz and Corrupt were there. Like this was crazy shit. You know what I mean? So we need everybody's because everyone has a different version. Everyone sees something different, but we can come down and make all this shit as real as possible and, and, and really tell this story. Man, you are. That's a fucking task, man. Yeah, that is. That's Those are like, challenge. I'm. I'm excited about it, though, man. It's something like I said. It's something I'm passionate about, you know. And it's, I have that same passion. You saw me ready to fight and dive on the floor and and, and bust people's ass in basketball for 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 business. Now, you you might you did shit. It's gonna because I mean I did the Tribe Called Quest documentary and this Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. These guys just you know had a brotherly. Right. I mean, this is you're talking about a whole other fucking level of like we're coming from a piece of you know a place for peace and love, man. We want everyone to eat. Like I'm not I'm not worried about the money in this situation. Right. Like I want to make a great project. I want to give you know help give those people back. You know maybe maybe some money from this project can help them get going in a way. You right. know what I mean? So that's why we want to knock down all walls, all all beefs. We want everyone who who celebrated that time to come together, help us make this shit. You know what I mean? And then we can all, everybody's going to eat off it as well. Tupac, uh, uh, his name has come up recently a lot. I got in the, in the fold on this. It seems like for some reason, these young rappers, some of them, some of them, a handful of young uh, rappers, on, are, I, and I don't know why it's Tupac. I, you would think he'd be well, the last anyone, pro- yeah, anyone but him. You would think. <laughs> you know what I'm t- like? I don't understand what, like, how, like, I saw some bullshit on Twitter. Although it's like fake news. Like, why do young rappers not like Tupac? I'm like, first of all, just because two or three people said, I just don't understand. As mad as it makes us, and I'm, I got a Tupac tattoo right here. Like, I'm a diehard. You see Tupac all around yeah. my house. That's the one person I wish I could have met him and been down with and just kick knowledge. Could you? I think he died at 25 with. What look what he was talking about at his age? Like he was a revolutionist, a rapper. Uh, he was everything, you know what I mean. But for these these new rappers, you know, as as mad as it makes us, like it doesn't matter. We have to understand that they're they're now. You mean there's no respect for the past, which is fucked up. It, it, it's the same way in basketball. They forget about you. You know these these legends that played before us. Like it, it's what have you done for me lately? Type shit. That doesn't mean you should not be out here disrespecting them like these kids are doing. But it's because you would never hear a ball player say, "Oh, I never heard of Isaiah yeah, Thomas." Right. Or he didn't have an interesting yeah. game. It, right. You would they're, never hear a baseball player go, "Barry Bonds." Yeah. Now he. They're not. I mean, they're not students of rap. You know what I mean? It's a fad. It's a. It's what's hot now. Like they're not going to go down in history. You know what I mean? They're right now, and it is what, like I said, as mad as it makes us, it just is what the fuck it is. Who would you, this is the obligatory question, and, I, and it's interchangeable. Who would Matt Barnes today, and again, you know, I know it's interchangeable. If I said Matt Barnes' top five favorite rappers, who uh, would you say today? What's going on today? No, no, no. Just, I'm all saying, because your, fi- your top okay. five of all time. Okay. Uh, um, I know it's always hard to leave them, Pac, you know, Tupac. Pac, Pac Biggie. Okay. Um, Jay. Hove. Nas. Nasty Nas. Um, One more. In the booth, I really, in the booth, I really fuck with Drake. I Can't really like Drake in the booth, man. He's a, 
he's an evil genius in the booth. He lyrically, like him, J. Cole, and Kendrick, to me, are the uh, in today's music, you know, the, 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 the top lyricists. I agree. But Drake is a tricky motherfucker, man. He has a play on words, and he'll... He's a motherfucker. So I, I put him in my top five. You, you know what? I'll say this about Drake. I, I've, I've broken his balls. But now with the insurgence of fucking mumble rapping, and, and, and my theory you is this on the it. mumble rapping. You appreciate it. You, you, the reason why they're mumbling is because they don't they want you to, to hear what they're they saying. They don't have shit to say. So they're trying to decipher it. And 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 the cadence. No, if you have some fly yeah. shit, like you might Migo, even... Like the Migos mumble, lightweight mumble, they're saying some shit. You know what I mean? They're I'm saying cool some with, shit. Yeah. But these other like they talking about these fucking the, dog the, yeah, shit, fucking shitbag rappers. <laughs> like you want, you're trying to trick me into this new thing, but yeah. really, what you you it's don't want me to cadence, hear what you're it's saying. It's the cadence of the beat that gets you bobbing. You don't really like. You really got to sit. Like I can't even move to. I want to focus that much on hear what they say, and you can't hear it. They don't want you to hear. No, that's the point. That's why it's mumble. You know what I mean? But like I said, you gotta you gotta uh, move with the flow, or you're gonna get left behind. I, I'm getting left behind on this, and I'm completely cool with that. Me too. I'm completely. I don't want. I'm staying. Keep me in the dust. Part of it, man. I'm listening to more like neo soul, like her and you know Sabrina Calderon. I'm listening to more of that now than this music. You know, Drake. I don't um, even if they do. They is there even slow jams anymore? J Cole. No, they don't talk about making love because everything is about you know popping drugs and fucking. So there's no love. Like there's no. You don't court women no more. Now you drug them and fuck them is is the rap game. Drug them and fuck them. There's no. There's no. And excuse me saying that, but that's the truth. That's That's the truth. That's what they're rapping about. So there's no like there's no boys to men. There's no Jodeci. There's no. That's what I grew up on. Tony, Tony, Tony. Like trying, you know, trying to make a, a girl's clothes fall off by singing to her instead of like, you know what I mean? What's drug going him on and today? Fu- that, that's, I'm surprised that's not a song. That's what that's drug what him and fuck him. Drug him and fuck him and drug yeah. him and fuck him. Whoever whoever makes that shit, fucking you, and fucking you gotta pay. Hey, I copyright that shit right now. I'm Let's calling go. my lawyer. So whoever makes that song, you got to give me a little something off that. Dr- Drug him and fuck him produced by Matt Barnes. But yeah, excuse my language, you know what I mean? No, that, that's I know what not you're the saying. Way, you know, that's, that's what the rap game is yes. right now. No, excuse my language too. Because we, we try it's, to a, keep... it's a sensitive time right now. It, it's a sensitive time. You really have to stay aware of that. 150%. Right. Especially me because everyone already thinks I'm an asshole. So make sure you, when you first hear it, you keep listening to, to let you know that's not my point of view. That's just what the rap game is now. We're, we're, we're making very clear. Yes. Because I mean, I don't want no more trouble. What do you think about that? Like I, you know, last time I was with you, you said something like, you, like you, you said you almost like even my guy Dean, he was like he was great, and I was like, and and you, you explained this to me when you played ball. It's not that you played a character; you played a role mm-hmm. on the team. You were, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you hang around Rick Mahorn. Mm-hmm. I, I was with him in the Big Three all summer, and obviously mm-hmm. Rick is older, but you know, I think even in his meanest time, like he was mean on the court, right. It was just, it, you know, it's a competitiveness, you know what I mean? But, and I had to tr- explain it to my twins once they started traveling with me and, and going to other arenas when people would boo me. And they would be like, Daddy, why do they boo you? Do they not like you? And I'm just like, they would love me if I was on their team, but they don't like me because I'm, I'm giving their, their best player, I'm going to give their best player a tough night. So I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to talk shit. I may bump them. I'm going to do stuff to, you know, make their crowd mad. That's why they hate me. Because people will boo me and talk shit to me while I'm just sitting on the bench like for a breather. I don't even have to be on the court to get shit talked to. When I come out for warm-ups, people are talking shit to me. So it just is what it is. I was the one that you hated to play it against, but you love to have on your team. And you can ask any of my teammates. But I had to explain to my kids that I, they love wrestling, so I broke it down to ah. imagine whoever I'm playing is Hulk Hogan, and I'm the undertaker. I'm coming dressed in black, and I'm coming to beat up the hero, so to speak. 
And I had to explain it to him in that way. And that's why they said, oh, so, oh, so you're just acting. And I was just like, it's acting to a sense, but I'm not an actor. I'm just playing a character on you. my team. You know what I mean? And that made them understand because it, it, it hurt my feelings when, the, when they really thought that, you know, people don't like daddy. And that's not the case. I'm like, they like me. They just don't like to play against me. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So that's how I broke it down to my kids. That's interesting. Um, I mean, in real life, like, because I remember the first time I was like, this guy's so goddamn chill. But you're, the, when you were on the court, it was like a different dude. Right. And like, you're like, I'm almost like, yeah, speaking to the mic, Matt. You're like soft-spoken, you're right. chill. And right. it's just it's just an interesting thing because the persona and then the whole <laughs> right. thing with Fisher. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, it's like this one thing that actually wasn't even on a basketball play with the Kobe thing. It's like, that's your whole career. Right, so right. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, I told my kids and... At first, it was hard for me because you're just like, God damn, these motherfuckers really don't like. Like, I haven't done nothing for. They don't even fucking know me not to like me. So it used to bother me early on. But then when I'm you just, were on the court, when I yeah, early on, I made my first like five or six years in the NBA. Like, what these motherfuckers always boo me. I'm like, damn, they don't even know me to boo me. Like, so I used to take it personal. But then I'm thinking like. I'm always playing. I'm on good teams. Like, these motherfuckers are booing me for a reason. Like, if I wasn't doing shit, they wouldn't have nothing to say to me. You mean the fact that no matter where the fuck I'm at, they're on my ass? That means I'm doing something right. What was the what was the apex of it? Like, if I said to you, like, when you look back at that time, what was, like, the team, the the season where you were like, I'm the fucking villain? Like, or what, what learned, were the I arenas learned, that I you learned, went to? I learned it early because I think it was our whole team is the We Believe team. When it was me, Baron, Steven Jackson, oh. you know, so you got to think about that team. We need to do a doc the Golden about State the Warriors yeah, team. Yeah, the Golden State Warriors, the We Believe team. So Baron was a star, but hadn't really found his place in the NBA. So he ended up a Golden State. Jason Richardson had been there, you know, a draft pick. Steven Jackson had just got into a, a gun shootout, ran over by a car, got up and let his whole clip go on somebody in Indiana and then got traded to Golden State. Al Harrington came, you know, a high school pick. Solid there, never really found his ways, came to Golden State. We had a young Monte Ellis fresh out of high school. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we had a crazy, and then we had me, where I was at, at the place. So, you know, I was, I was going in my fifth year, like, fuck, if basketball doesn't work. I had, like, 10 NFL teams that wanted me to try out because football was my first sport. So I was going to say, fuck basketball. I'm about to go play in the NFL because so, I had not I had bounced around. And, you know, in four years, I played on three teams and didn't really get a real chance to play. So all of us came together. And, and formed that team in Oakland, of all places in the world, where, which at the time was like top two or three murder capital in the world. So, but we're out here in these streets, though. Mike, we're in these clubs. We're drinking. We're doing other shit I can't say on this podcast, but you can only imagine. But then we're out going out there and kicking ass every night, too. You know what I mean? So it was just like, that's when I knew, like, okay, bad is not the worst thing. You know what I mean? Because we were bad with an edge, but we were cool. So it was just like, that's what I learned early on. And then when it hit the head, the, the, the top of the, the all-time, I'm um, the asshole now, is, is the Kobe shit with the ball fake. And then it just it continued. Even it when just, you weren't being, like, that's grew, just who it, you were. People still, it's eight years later. It was just the anniversary, like, last week or something. But right. it's eight years later, and I still, even every, every day from then, I've, someone said something. About the fucking Kobe thing. That's why Kobe didn't flinch. Bitch, you would have flinched. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, shut the fuck up about that shit. The shit is almost 10 years old, but it, it just is what it is. Right. You know what I mean? It just adds to the whatever the fuck you want to say about me. Um, 
You played. Let me let me throw some names at you. I just want your opinions and takes on on yeah. players you played with, coaches. Yeah. One of my favorite coaches to watch because he seems so disgruntled. You played in Orlando with my man Stan Van Gundy. What was he like? Stan Van Gundy, great dude, energy. He always used to get this white foam in the corner of your mouth and makes you want to fucking lick the corner of your lips or rub your shit. You know what I mean? Like when the people get the white butt. <laughs> no, but I love Stan, man. Great X and O's guy. Um, but just when it came down to the stretch, um, you know, we just, he, he's never been over, you know, be able to get over the hump. You know, you heard some things from former players, but uh, to me, great X and O's guy. And I had, I had a good time with Stan. One of the things that I hear, and I don't know fucking anything. I, what I hear, I say from Twitter. Right. Or no, I've heard players talk about it. Is he like old school, like you're going to run your ass oh, off yeah. in practice? Like taped shoot arounds with knee pads. Like there's no joke. Like, unheard of like pat right he came from the pat riley era so tough practices you're gonna run you're gonna you're gonna get better every day so he wasn't he didn't really give a, give a fuck so much to me what i thought about your legs you know now it's more legs and research you need rest and you know because the season's so long stan wasn't on that shit stan's like we're gonna come in here and work hard for two and a half hours and i respected it at the time because i just didn't know no better right so i was cool with it um also with that team dwight howard <laughs> what is dwight howard like like did he is he a guy who never lived up to the expectations? Obviously, listen, if you have fucking back surgery, right, right. Uh, 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 that's going to fuck up anybody, especially when you're a highly athletic yeah, yeah. player. I mean, take away, I mean, Dwight was on pace to be great. You know what I mean? I think what held him back, obviously, first and foremost, like you said, is, is a back injury. I mean, a back, a back injury to a, an athletic machine like him is going to slow anybody down. Um, him personally, great dude. Always had a smile. Always had, you know, joking always having a good time but uh the only knock i had on dwight was he didn't know when to stop playing and get serious you know what i mean he was the star in our team but still like not focused during shoot around you know what i mean and younger players i was older so i wasn't tripping i would try to get him on track but younger players are looking at the team star like okay how are we going to approach this if our team star is acting this way you know what I mean? That kind of sets the mood. So it was something that, you know, as a friend, because we became friends, I talked to, I would talk to him about it and constantly remind him about, like, you know, a lot of people are watching you. You know what I mean? Even in practice. So you have to, you know, come prepared, come ready. Dwight was a superstar at the time, but not as far as being a leader. You know, usually those kind of come hand in hand. Like, I'm going to show these guys type. But Dwight was a superstar, but he definitely wasn't, you know, ready to be a leader, at least when I played with him. Is he Hall of Fame? He could have been. Um, it's, it, I mean, it's tough to say. He was amazing for a span. He was he was a ridiculous, fucking monster. But did he ever get better than that? It's like no. he came in, he hit a fucking apex, mm-hmm. and then obviously the injury. And I know yeah. that's fucked yeah. up. The for injury. Anybody. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, a back injury. Like I said, a back injury to surgery, someone like him. Right? Surgery. You know what I mean? Some people don't. You know, don't move the, the same way the rest of their life. He went back to playing, and he went back to playing early too. On top of it, which was you know. What it, it was, what it was, but it's hard to say, man. Um, I like Dwight a lot. He, when I played with him, he was a fucking monster. Um, the last time we talked a lot about Kobe, but talk to me about Phil Jackson. Like, this is like you know when he came to New York. That's not a. I don't think that ended the way <laughs> Phil. What the fuck is up with Phil Jackson? Phil is a man. Is literally the world's most interesting man. That's what I would call him. He's the world's most interesting man. Uh, on one hand, he's an amazing innovator, uh, creator, someone that sits back and, and allows you to be creative on the court, you know, as long as it's within the triangle. Um, 
great mental approach to the game. Um, realize that the mind over the body is most important, but at the same time, would you know, wouldn't kill you in practice. He wanted it out there for the game. He wouldn't do a lot of running to practice. We would, do, I mean, it was more scrimmaging. You know what I mean? We would break down in, in sections and you know, go over our triangle, obviously, and then we, we would scrimmage and get out. You know, he wasn't someone that wanted to kill you in practice, which was which was always good for the player standpoint. So, I, unfortunately, I only got Phil for a year. Right. You know what I mean? But it was it was an amazing year because they had just won two titles when I came, and that was the year when I came after I came from Orlando when Kobe recruited me over. And then I tore my meniscus that season too, so I was away from the team. But we were so they were we were going for a three peat at the time, or excuse me, they were. I was going for my first ring. I tore my meniscus heading toward maybe how many say maybe February or something like that, and never really got back healthy before. And that's when Dallas swept us, and Dallas won the championship that year. But from my standpoint, with Phil in, in, in LA, it was, it was amazing. You know what I mean? He knew how to press people's buttons to get the best out of them. It used to be the most amazing shit watching him and Ron Artest go at each other. What was that? Like what? Him trying to get Ron to motivate and then he would say the wrong shit to Ron and Ron would get mad. Like I would think Ron was going to fuck him up or something. Or, you know, Ron, one time he talked about it, Phil's feet. Like it was just, it was such a crazy dynamic, but Phil bought um, the, the, the right focus Ron. You know what I mean? Like it's, he knew what buttons to press. Like he pissed him off, but then he brought him back in and he, he got an amazing product out of it. You know what I mean? He worked with Kobe. You know what I mean? Kobe is Kobe. You know what I mean? He, he, they had an amazing dynamic. You know, it's, I only, like I said, I, unfortunately, I only got to see all this for a year, but he had a, a, an amazing, but with whoever was playing, he had his own separate relationship with each of those guys. And he talked to them different and they treated each other different and, and it worked. So he was conscious, like, this is a guy that he, needs yeah, this. Yeah, right. He knew what buttons to press to get the best out of you. And it, it became cool because when I, when I hurt my knee, I was at home watching all the games and he and I kind of started talking and, and we were talking about like, it got to the point where he understood, like he, cause he didn't really know me from the, the dickhead he, you know, heard about before I was a Laker, you know what I mean? But then I got hurt and we just started talking strategy and I would tell him what I seen after games. And I think he realized that I was really a student of the game. So we would, I would be back and forth after a game talking strategy with Phil Jackson sitting in my house in LA and I'm just there on the road somewhere. I'm just like, this is fucking crazy. You, you were like, Blown away. I mean, I'm talking strategy with one of the greatest coaches ever. Ron Artest, another guy. I, I you you hang out with Ron now. You're like oh, this guy. What are you, you're fucking soft spoken. He's guy. chill. He's laughing. He's great so guy. like mild mannered. How good was was remind people how good he was Monster. of a basketball player. I mean, on he both, was a fucking all star before this shit on, happened. On both sides of the ball, like he could score the ball too. He was just he was someone that was just. Fucking crazy, naturally strong, strong, strong right? hands, great footwork, great body position, great center of balance. And he was someone that was scary because if you were fortunate enough to get by him and most of the time he took the ball from you when you got by him, he had this trick of reaching around you as soon as you got past him to still steal that fucking ball. Like to me, he was him and Tony Allen. Um, my time, those are the guys I, I watched the most from a defensive standpoint and um, try to mimic those guys because their defense intensity and their, their attention to detail, the way they went after shit is a crazy. But to talk about his character, he was just a completely different person off the court. Cool. Cool as shit off the court. Is defense something, I think defense is, is interest in it, effort. Is defense really something you can be taught uh, like, is there skill set? It's a mindset, first and foremost. You got to want to. You know, you got to be a dog to play defense. You know what I mean? Defense is not easy. Scoring, not, not that scoring is easy, but there's more reward for So if you work your ass off to be a scorer, you're going to be on sports and you're going to get a bunch of money. If you work your ass off on defense, you still may not 
get the accolades. So it's just like, fuck, let me just work my ass off on offense so I can get a bunch of money and, and a bunch of points. So it takes a different kind of mindset, I think, to play defense. Um, you can definitely be taught technique and strategy and and tricks to the game. But uh, defense is just like rebounding. It's a mindset. You got to have to fucking want that ball because you see seven footers averaging three or four rebounds. And then you'll see someone, you know, like Dennis Rodman, who was 6'9", <laughs> average 16 rebounds, 17 rebounds. So it's a mindset. And an interest. Like, I yeah, want I to want be... to do this shit. Who, who is in the NBA now that's left that is the Matt Barnes? I, I think Ron is separate because Ron had a great offensive arsenal. The Tony Allens, mm-hmm. the Patrick Beverleys. Who, who's left the dogs? Who are the young dogs? Like, you know, Zach, Zach Randolph is still there, but he's a great... He's old, but like, who, who are these guys that are going to be like the next, the next crop? Of guys um, that you see. Draymond, obviously. Yes. I think he's, he's the king of them. You know what I mean? I, I, I just saw a lot of myself in him, not only from a player. He was able to accomplish more and, and obviously a better uh, you know, NBA player than I was. But at the same time, uh, the same mentality and, and attention to detail. And we just played a lot of like, um, you know, you mentioned Tony Allen. He's on his way out. But he was one of those guys I love. Patrick, I just like people that play hard, man. Patrick Beverly plays hard. You that motherfucker not, plays hard. You may not like it and it's uncomfortable, so that's why people don't like it, but he's fucking playing hard. Like, I want to see that instead of like the Olay defense where I'm going to you know, swipe at the ball and let you go in there and dunk it. Like, I want people that are just going to work. You know what I mean? So, But the NBA doesn't really, it's not that kind of game no more. You know, it's more like the first one to 130. So you're, there's no young guys where you're like noticing like this guy, this guy has it. Um, and I don't, like it's just, you're born with I, it. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's a different like I, I look at young guys now like they just they got a lot of game like Kyle Kuzma has a lot I love to me Kyle Kuzma is going to be a star Kyle Kuzma is a monster Julius Randle's a monster Ball is going to be special I love uh, Tatum from Boston he's super skilled smooth like a like a new version of Paul George to me yep very talented uh, Ben Simmons is is, uh, is, is amazing um, you know so I, I watch uh, you know the kid in Utah Mitchell Donovan uh, the kid in Dallas, uh, Smith. I mean, there's a lot of kids that really have a high basketball IQ that are really talented that I enjoy watching. But it's not so much about being like, they're dogs in their own way, but it's not like how we used to be. Don't you think, but come, come April, come May, come championship time, you know. You have to be. It, you have to be. You it know tightens I mean? up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all it the, slows down. All the regular season shit don't mean nothing. I mean, during the regular season, you want to stay healthy. You obviously want to win, but you want to build chemistry and stay healthy. You know, everyone's oh my god, the Warriors lost sixteen games. You don't win no fucking championships right now. The Warriors won seventy two games and lost the championships. The regular season doesn't mean shit. It's about being healthy on the same page, having your chemistry going into the playoffs. So teams that have been there and done that. I guarantee you every season in Cleveland and Golden State, are like, oh, I mean, I mean, it's a blessing to play in the NBA, but like, fuck, let's get, you know, let's get to April because we already know what it is. But does the style of basketball change, and how does it change? Yeah. Come fucking crunch time, yeah. come May, come yeah. fucking you know Western Conference Finals, come quarterfinals. Like, it, I think it, each come stays, the finals. Yeah, each stage it intensifies. But the, to me, the best time, if you're a, a new fan to the NBA, the best time to watch the NBA is the, the beginning of the season. And then Christmas is usually fun. And then the NBA is kind of boring until after All-Star break. So All-Star break is when people start picking it up. People are making run for position. People are trying to get into the playoffs. So that's when you're going to see probably the most competitive part of the season. And then obviously each, and if you're fortunate enough to make the playoffs, each level, first round, second round, conference finals, finals, each level intensifies. You know, 
the mistakes are magnified on each. The higher you go, the, the bigger a turnover is, the bigger a technical foul is. So it just intensifies, and you you need people who have been there and done that to be able to explain that to your younger players because going in there blindly, you don't have a chance. All right, so here we are in March. Who are going to be the two teams from the West? Who are going to be the two teams from the East uh, that are going to make it? You know, obviously, barring injuries, Clay just has this thumb thing, which to me is a big deal. Mm-hmm. The last time I, you, you, you know, I, I talked to you, you talked about the importance of Clay, the intangibles of Clay. He's like, they talk about the big three. It's almost like Draymond, KD, Steph, and it's like, some, oh yeah, and Clay. No, it's somehow can, switched. No, you can never forget about Clay. I think right now, I mean, they say two weeks. Um, a thumb is, is is tough depending on what hand it's on. Is the I think it's, it's a shooting, shooting hand. Thumb. He'll be all right. I mean, Golden State have great trainers. Uh, they're going to be on him around the clock. He'll be ready. Um, yeah, I, I, but the, to get back to your question, the two teams, I, I, I love Houston. Houston's playing fucking amazing basketball, shooting the ball, having fun. I see him having fun. I talk to Chris Paul a lot. I just tell him, like, bro, you're smiling. I love it. You look so happy over there. You know, I'm happy for him. Was he miserable in, at some I point? I wouldn't say miserable because we had a blast sometimes, but at the end, it, he looked like he just wasn't happy no more. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, you know what I mean? We didn't, we, I try to talk about good things, but them not bad things. But I could just really see that he has that glimmer back in his eye. He's got a, you know, a second leash on life in, in Houston because everyone thought him and James couldn't play together. But people don't realize how smart both those guys are. So if you're trying to tell me I can get fucking Chris Paul to be my running mate, I'm going to – James adjusted his mindset. He's still doing what he does, but he adjusted his mindset. And then Chris adjusted his mindset. And now they're arguably, what, behind Clay and Steph or right there? Like it's an argument who has the best backcourt, and, and, it, and it shows and wins. Uh, you know, then I'm happy for Trevor Rees over there. He's a Bruin. He's, a, he's my guy over there. So uh, I see Houston and Golden State. Who wins uh, that? If everyone's healthy, I see Golden State winning it just from the standpoint of we've <clears> been there and done that. But I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, if, if Houston won it. Houston can shoot the shit out of the ball. They're playing better defense. You know, they picked up Bob Mute and they, and they got Chris now, and then they got uh, P.J. Tucker. Trevor's always been a good defender. You know what I mean? They got the big, tall, what's the, the, the center's name? Um, Capella. Capella. He's going to be a rich man, you know, having two of the best decision makers in the game. Throwing, he, he had that DeAndre Jordan effect. You know what I mean? Like, DeAndre realizes how poor Chris Paul was now because Chris will put that bitch where it needs to be so you could dunk it. Capella's feeding off the same thing. Chris and James make these amazing bounce passes, live behind the back passes, and all he has to do is dunk that motherfucker. So he's doing a great job there. So like I said, I see Golden State getting over the Houston hump only from a, because talent-wise, they're, they're neck and neck. But I just, Golden State has been there. Their core has been there longer. They're going for their third title. Um, I give that edge to Golden State. In the East. Wait, before we get to these, okay. I want you to give me inside information. <laughs> I want. I know you guys all fucking know each other. We trading stocks right now. These guys waste time on TV putting these these so called sports uh, experts. You're the expert. And they don't know shit. That's You're funny. the expert. Like, motherfucker, you don't know what it's like. You, you, uh, they whatever. don't have a fucking clue. Nothing. That's why You're, they, you're that's the why expert. They, that's why they piss me off when they talk shit. Like, bitch, you couldn't even tie your shoes together and run on the court. What are you talking about right You don't now? know shit. But go ahead. What is your question? You're the expert. I want you to tell me what the fuck <laughs> is going on in San Antonio with Kawhi. I, I feel like this is going, something happened with, I don't know if they fucking gave him, they thought they were giving him a B12 shot and they gave him a vitamin D shot. Some <laughs> fucking thing happened with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. But I smell yeah. something. I don't, t- to be honest with you, I, the fact that because it's, You're the expert. I know I am the expert, but to me, I don't know that and I haven't thought that. I just think that 
Honestly, Pop is competitive, one of the maybe the greatest coach in professional sports of all time. That's that's up for debate. But I think that they realize like Houston and Golden State are going to go regardless. So why risk Kawhi? You know, he's the franchise player. So if you were until you're 100 percent healthy and we know we have a real reason or shot to win it. Why put our franchise back out there on the court? Now, could he play? Probably. Mm-hmm. But I bet you, like, those quad injuries are, are tricky. Quads and calves are those tears and strains, and you don't let those heal. Those are fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So to me, from a strategic standpoint, I think they're just realizing, okay, we're still San Antonio. We're still going to compete. And you could still – I mean, they're still one of the best teams. You know, you take their best player away. They are just missing Aldridge last the other night. Like, Pop has those – it's a well-oiled machine. But I think at the same time, they also realize that, that Kawhi is the future. And – Houston, as much as I have respect for San Antonio and Oklahoma City and the rest of the West, it's Houston or Golden State to lose. Right. So let me get let me get my franchise player 100% back for next year, see what we can do in the offseason, and then let's make our push. Okay. All right. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, the East. Is it going to fucking slow down with uh, goddamn Cleveland? We'll see. I mean, Wait, wait, Because you know what? I, how fucking happy I would be if they fucking didn't even make it to the finals. Do you know how fucking happy be I would really be? really happy. I would be fucking happy. You'd be really happy. You didn't make it to the finals. Mm-hmm. Just that would be great. I don't care if you're fucking seven games, Eastern Conference Finals. That would be even, and I don't know what I would do after that because, right. like, I get so high off of that. Mm-hmm. Like, last year, game five, I was out of my fucking tree when you guys won. Yeah. That LeBron effect on you? <laughs> I'm very open about it, and I'm, I, I, don't, I don't hide it. It's right. like Tom Brady, until proven otherwise. Can this fucking guy be stopped? Tom Brady, no. He's a, he's a machine. Lebr- LeBron Brady. Same. He's machines. a fucking machine. They're machines. They're God, I mean, God bless them. God bless all of us, but God bless those guys. So what's the East? Toronto? East is, it's like, I, I feel like, like they're so like Rocky Balboa. Yeah, man, I, I love Toronto. Me but too. I, I just don't I, don't, I don't trust them in the playoffs as much. Me neither. But I mean, DeMar is someone I know. Kyle love Lowry, him. they have a great team great coach casey Dwayne casey i love it i love that the, the city's fucking amazing crowds nuts the crowds know. outside amazing isn't but there I something just, better to do in toronto no. i mean only in and toronto it's cold out there too they're fucking outside during the game tons of them don't you like a, go to a bar get some nah, chicken wings man, i love it it's it, that's rare that you don't see that anywhere else you know what i mean i love it but i just don't at the same time just god they have to but a, the Cleveland Cavaliers are Apollo Creed and they're Rocky. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I wish I would love to see them get over the hump. I hope they can. Like I said, I got you know personal friends on the team. But to me, my my prediction is the East is 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 Cleveland's to lose from the standpoint that they've been. You just you have to have been there to understand. You know what I mean? And I only been there once. But I've been to Western or Eastern Conference Finals and, and several, you know, I, I'm battle-tested. It's just different basketball when you get there. And if you haven't been there, you don't know what to expect. So that's why I, that's why I take away from, you know, Toronto's never been there. Boston is the heavyweight champ of the East as soon as LeBron leaves because Boston is, has built their team, great coach, great city, great draft picks, great young talent. Uh, go, Haywood going down was a blessing in disguise this year because it let Jason Tatum become developed. Uh, you know, the Brown kid really found came into his own. So you already know what you got in Haywood when he comes back. So now you know you got two other road dogs. They got them, guys on that mean? team. And, they got, and then they got you mean Kyrie Irving. Like, come on, man. So... Kyrie's the only one that's been there from that standpoint. That's why I say it's hard for them to get over that hump when it comes down to the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 because Braun has been there. And that whole Kevin, Kevin has been there. JR has been there. Um, you can never underestimate that LeBron factor. Not what he does with the numbers, but his effect 
on the like I'm not gonna let you motherfuckers lose. Let's go. I'm gonna show you how to do it. So that's why I see I still see another Golden State Cleveland Finals, and I see Golden State winning. Good. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> all right, football. Yeah. I talked to Nate Robinson. Yeah. Talk oh, to yeah. you. We're on. Okay. Give it to me. Are you guys playing in this flag football league? What do you yeah. got left in the tank? I got a lot, man. I got a lot. I'm excited. I just started working out again for that. It's a, um, it's a flag football tournament this summer where the win- winning team gets a million dollars. But it's not even so much to me. Uh, it's not about the money. Just football is my first sport. Whoever grew up with me and knew me that. And I'm not one of those guys that likes to talk it because I respect each lane and each craft too much. But I've been told from former NFL quarterbacks to high school football coaches to scouts that I could have played in the NFL. So I, luckily I got 15 years in the NBA and, and that was my blessing, but there's not a day that went by like, God damn, can I imagine? Cause you know, I ran a four, three, nine in college, in high school, you know, 40. What I mean? four, three, nine, 40 four, three, at six, seven, six, seven, two twenty. You know what I mean? And then I can out-jump anyone. So and then, I'm, I'm, then I'm out-running anybody. You know what I mean? And then I can really catch and take a hit and deliver a hit. My dad played football, so I knew when you catch the ball, hit the defense before they hit you. Like, I knew how to play football. I grew up playing tackle football. You know, so that was just always like, damn, what if I would have went that route? You know what I mean? So I always have that. So now that I'm retired, I just turned 38 last week. Um, but me and Nate are going to play in this flag football tournament. I'm, I'm so fucking excited for it. So you guys are not fucking around. This is nah. going down. Going all the way down. And who's who's your third? Who's your fourth? Uh, I mean, I, you, I gave, you, you, like, and 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 the fact that like like I'm sort of putting it out there. Like, what do you want from me with this? Yeah, like, okay. what can I do for you guys? Yeah, you, you tell me. I mean, backup quarterback. I mean, what is your game like? I got nothing. You can be over there, sit on the side, and just talk a lot of shit. I talk a lot of shit. I'm okay with that. Okay, because okay with that. Because with, with you and Nate, like who, yeah. who who's the other guys on your on your Nate, crew? Nate is the one that's in charge of all that. He's getting you know former NFL, CFL, arena college players. You know that's I didn't have time to get all into all that. I just said, bro, I'm in, and I'm I'm not coming off the field unless you know something unless I can't run. So I'm playing both ways, offense and defense, and, I, and I, but I can really play football. So I'm just I'm super excited. What's your favorite football team? Uh, forty. I've been a Forty Nine er fan my whole life. You guys are picking up players left and right. I love uh, it. Is Jimmy G real? I hope so. I mean, you know, <laughs> I hope so. It's they a little gave, too early to tell. They, right? They gave him a lot of money. You know, the six games was amazing. He captured the city, but at the same time, when they they compare him with Caps numbers, the Caps last six games were very similar, and and better in some areas. So you never know. Like I said, I'm a huge Niner fan. I hope it works. We need it to work. I still live in you know I live in Berkeley as well as LA, so I'm still a definitely a, a Barrier native. So I want that. I'm happy my man Richard Sherman just signed there. Um, you know, so San Francisco should be a destination, man. They got a great stadium. Crowd is amazing. And, I'm, you know, I'm hoping we can put something back together and get back up there to, uh, you know, at least respectability. This Dick the Kaepernick situation will so much be a part of 2017, 2016. The NBA, you know, you guys are so much more physically exposed whether you're, you know, I think like the first eight players on every team, you know who they are. Yeah. You know, the NFL players, I ran, I ran into Michael Crabtree. I didn't know who the fuck he was, but if I had his uniform on, I would have freaked All out. Way. All the way. Do you ever see any, like the, you guys have been so spoke, outspoken in the, in the NBA, LeBron being the front runner. I and, and I break his balls about That's what needed to happen, though. For us to have a real voice, we needed him to speak up. And then Steph spoke up. But go ahead. You're outspoken, you're conscious. The Kaepernick thing, he's not playing football again. Never. It's unfortunate. Because, Isn't that fucking nuts? Because he, he, he made a stand and stood up for the people. But uh, at the same time, he's going to go down as a legend. 
he'll he'll be spoken with, you know, in years to come with with the Ali's and the Abdul Jabbar's and the Jim Browns. And that's why I don't think people understand like he made history. You know what I mean? From so from that standpoint, that's something to be proud of. But as a competitive athlete, it's fucked up. Because he could definitely still could play, still could. You trying? You can't tell me he can't be a backup somewhere. Well, with the, with the with the shit show I see some weekends, and I'm a huge football fan. I'm not disrespecting anyone because I love the game, but there's some shit shows out there from the quarterback position. You can't tell me Cap can't come out there and do his thing. But to me, from a business standpoint, as much as he can play, the locker room is your sanctuary. You know what I mean? So as many guys that hey, I fuck with Cap, there could be a handful of guys in the locker room that don't fuck with Cap. So from a GM standpoint or a president standpoint, you don't want that circus coming in because when Cap comes to your locker room, it, it becomes an instant circus. And not from his antics, but from the media standpoint. You know what I mean? It's going to be highly publicized every day, every move. The locker room is going to be filled with media. You know what I mean? So it's just that you don't want to disrupt that flow and chemistry of your team in the locker room. And that, like I said, that's not Cap's personality. Mm-hmm. It's just the exposure he has with him now. So from a GM standpoint, I'm sure a lot of, a lot, I mean, some of them are full of shit lying to themselves saying he can't play. But the ones that are real, Bullshit. like the ones that are real, like this kid can still play. I think the piece that keeps Cap out is the, the, the media circus that will come with Cap. Right. Especially if he's not going to be a starter. So now you want a media circus on my second or third quarterback that has nothing to do with the outcome every week. And it's going to, you're going to lose focus and some guys are going to get tired of it. Like I said, as many guys that might fuck with them in the locker room and love them, some guys are going to be like, what the fuck, man? And, and a lot, everybody wants to sell t-shirts. Come on, man. So you already know what it is. It, 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 it's, it's strictly, it, it's a business standpoint, uh, you know, chemistry thing, I think, because Whoever says he can't play in the NFL still give me a fucking shit. break. Yeah, it's full of shit. I mean, it's, I mean, a, a back last year they had fucking people's cousins and, and, and <laughs> nephews backup court. I mean, yeah, quarterback you nah. need you you now you need three quarterbacks right. that on, could man. play. Yeah, the boys are out there getting hit too. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's we all know. I mean, people, football <laughs> purists and fans of the game know that you know for him taking a stance it cost him his career, but he'll go down in history as as a, as a iconic sports legend. Matty Barnes, I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, part two. That's French. If you don't speak French uh, for two. Get your game up. Um, soon to be a, a producer, uh, executive producer in show business. Right. I want to learn how to direct, too. Yeah, that's, yeah. I want to learn how to do it all. Yeah, that, that's, you right. know. I just, like, to me, I'm not someone that comes in and thinks I know everything. Like, I know everybody. So I surround myself with the best people and shadow them, and they mentor me, and I learn from them. So that's why I want to, you know, when, when I say I want to accomplish something or do something, I surround myself with the best people in the game to help me get there. Let's fucking go. Oh, come on, Mike. You already put me on wood, and me and wood are making, you know, we're going to make some history. So you're definitely... You're my you're my white half. You're my brother. You're my white brother. Listen, you know what I mean? That's from the there's got to be some sort right. of corrupt cop, fucking yeah, cocksucker. On, you know, like and especially right. Wood, like uh, Wood Harris, like uh, in the scene they'll be like, cut, cut. I'm fucking giving him yeah. an extra smack. No, no, you can definitely. Yeah, th- I mean, w- I mean that Huey Newton movie's got you written all over. With yeah, the cor- there's got to the cor- be some, some corrupt, scumbag. Yeah, we, fucking, you, can, you can channel that that young Remy. You that's know, exactly. You, you, now you got a forty a forty something year old Remy. That's what you could be in the yeah. We, we, it's we no fucking got, problem, man. We got something for you, Mike. All right, Matt Barnes, <laughs> shit talking Hall of Famer, iconic. Appreciate you rocking with me again, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'll come back whenever, man. I like shooting the shit with you. Let's go. All right, four hundredth episode, Matt motherfucking Barnes. I appreciate you taking the time to rock with the best. Um. Listen, later on in the week, me and G. Moody are going to do the long haul, okay? We are going to do a long-ass 
401st episode. We're going to get the young shooter on the episode. We're bringing in the big guns, um, sick fucks of the week, and so much more. I want to thank Maddie Barnes, G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty. Miles, Jordan, take us out of here with something funky. Take us out of here with a smacker. Like something like, like, like smack fire out your ass type of shit. See, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We came, we saw, we conquered. Let's go. Let's go.